You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Jacob joining us, I believe, later. Uh, you've heard from all of my co-hosts before. We're excited to talk to you today. Uh, today we're going to talk about something a little um, philosophical. We normally keep things pretty down to earth on this show because we uh, so often talk about current events. And it's hard to not be down to earth when you're talking about something that is actively happening. Um, but we decided to have a little fun on this one. Sam actually recommended the topic and uh, Jacob... Uh, seconded it and uh i th- i think it's an interesting uh it's an interesting one to challenge your philosophy what you believe at your core and uh the the question is are all rights property rights and i myself uh am, am have mixed feelings on the issue um hi ron and there are many of us that uh i, I believe you know you've got enough nuance on this show uh, and, and I'm going to let the guests speak for themselves, or not guests, but I'm going to have my co-hosts speak for themselves because I, I, I think introducing the topic would be hard to do without a matter of opinion. Basically, if you own yourself and you own stuff, is that can all rights be kind of derived from you owning yourself and being allowed to acquire stuff? So um, I'm going to start with you, Sam, on this one. Uh, how do you feel about... Property rights being the foundation of all rights. So I think there's, you have to kind of define right a little bit. I know that's getting a little bit into the weeds, but if you look at rights as in terms of politically, and I think that's what libertarianism does and anarchism is it looks at rights in terms of a political spectrum as in like which system and as a libertarian, the very the baseline of why I'm a libertarian isn't because I just I'm obsessed with rights and all this stuff. It's because I want human flourishing. So the very baseline is what political system promotes human flourishing. And I believe it's the libertarian political system which recognizes rights just being property rights, or at least the anarchist position. Um <clears throat> as far as like right and wrong in other senses in like a moral sense for instance adultery is might be wrong in a libertarian not wrong in a libertarian sense in order in other words if it's consensual you do what you want i do what i want i that's a bad example of consensual but i think when you think of libertarianism and the rights that are concerned you have to understand that um you know, everything boils down to property rights. Oh, morally. So you can do like if you if if you go on a dating website and you go on black only, like that's kind of racist in a way, but it can also be subjective. Um, but if you're thinking I am spiraling. <laughs> if you're thinking help <laughs> pull up, pull up that after this week, pull, pull up. up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to put my thoughts together here. So morally 
I think there's a difference between uh, rights when you think morally and the rights when you think um, politically. Um, something could be wrong morally, but not wrong in the terms of like the system in terms of rights. Um, if that makes sense. I kind of pulled up a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll have another go with this one. No worries. Okay. <laughs> Brian, what are your thoughts as far as all rights being based in the originating in property? I, I kind of have to agree. Um, in a lot of, in the vast majority of instances, this is my house. This is my computer. You come in here with a gun and saying, it's no longer your house. It's our house. That kind of gets rid of the whole idea that we're going to care for the stuff that we have and that we are going to go ahead and save, do all those things like that. They're basic parts of human life. Um, the minute that something is not yours, I mean, here's a great example. Give a 17-year-old a free car and see what they do with it. Are they going to wash it every day? Are they going to keep it clean? Or are they going to go out partying with their friends, crash into another one and say, oh, oh, well, it wasn't my car. I don't care. And this is kind of what we see with property rights is that if you don't own it and you haven't worked for it, you're probably not going to care for it very well. So we start becoming a very disposable society in that aspect. And we already are in some cases because of technological changes. That being said, the one part that we have to balance this against is that little bit of like one, two percent of where where property rights, self ownership becomes uh, ubiquitous. Let's say that I own all the water in this area. I am that evil town guy who has the one well that goes down and I've bought every well in town and I can set the price. Uh, for whatever reason. At some point, then there has to be competition balancing against property rights. If it's a single mo uh, monopolistic enterprise that's controlling access to that property that you want to buy, obviously that gives them uh, an advantage that is just unable to be broken without people with guns generally walking in and saying, stop doing that. So property rights can exist and should exist wholly but only in a competitive market environment. The minute that we take out competitivism for, for, for resources, just water, food, air, I mean, we're getting the whole uh, going total recall thing here, you know, shutting down the air and that, you know, with the girl with the three boobs and all that other stuff in that movie. Um, but once we start, stop allowing that, you know, and start rationing stuff that we need to survive in general, really that's where it starts crossing a line. So, Again, 98, 99% of the stuff we have in this world is open, competitive. We can get to it. When you start monopolizing it, though, that's where problems begin. Awesome. Uh, you know, you know, for me, I think the property rights argument, I like to build stuff from the ground up. So I just think, what is a right? What is a human right? I go to the definition and it's it's a toughie, right? But it's just it it's a it's a an obligation. Of all, or not uh, an obligation that others have towards all hu all human beings, regardless of race, sex, nationality, ethnicity, language, religion, or any other status, that people have to not interfere on you, right? So, uh, even the term rights is kind of negative in that sense, right? Because we say, you know, even the very definition is saying what other people can't do to you, right? And so, the implication of that, and this is the argument that I'm sure Jacob. Is going to hate that he's not here for this, but unfortunately, we have to, we must continue. You know, is that you build up, and what you say is that 
you are an individual and it starts there. You know, this is an inherent thing. If I do harm to you, even from your birth, you know, I've committed a wrong, committed a, you know, because you have this, you know, freedom uh, to be yourself. Um, <clears throat> when you look at a list of what things say, people say are rights, you can probably boil about half of them directly into property rights. You know, for example, I have the right, the very first, uh, I was doing some research and I guess one of the very first rights people ever had was the right to their own ideas, right? When people are inventing the concept of rights, nobody has a right to stick their fingers in there and mm -hmm. stop you from thinking whatever it is you're thinking. You're allowed to think whatever you want, right? And that's part of, we even call it self-ownership and liberty. So we accept that the this individual right is a property right because you own your own property, you own yourself, and nobody has the right to interfere with that. There are some rights that some libertarians will say are not rights, and other libertarians will say, well, that's a, it's hard to explain, but it's a difficult extension of property rights. Um, some that I find, and <clears throat> we get into this idea of our rights, what, um, what some people in the crowd would call a spook, right? The Max Stirner folks were like, our, is everything a spook? If you can't touch it, or feel it, it's a spook. So do we... Hey, out here. Hey, I, whoa, whoa, Hody. Yeah. <laughs> well, watch using that term, especially after this week. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I, I guess that has a racist implication. Uh, uh, generally a spook in the philosophical sense. Sorry to anybody <laughs> tuning in, and thank you, Brian, for catching that. I'm talking about spook in the philosophical sense, which is the sense that we've made it up, that we've just said, you know what, this seems right. Let's call it a right. Now, the reason I disagree with that is because I do feel that rights are actually something that you can observe, that people are damaged when you do certain things and that damaging people leads to worse things happening so that there are rights that are a good thing. Now, there are a lot of good things that aren't necessarily rights, like ice cream, right? So it's not just all good things are rights, but really it's that negativity. And this is why rights have to be kind of defined in that negative sense of you can't hurt somebody, you can't do damage to somebody, you know, because of these things. And so uh, I, I think that it has to be that way because we need to say like, look, I'm not going to say you have to do great things all the time because then all of us would fail, right? We, we don't all do great things all the time, you know, but you are obligated to not harm somebody else you can do harm to yourself and your property and your stuff and sometimes you're just blowing off steam you know and and whatever it is and it happens but i do feel there are certain things that are towards other people's stuff now there are certain ones that are difficult and i kind of want to touch on some of those right now just because i find them to be the most interesting as far as debate goes um but what about when somebody says like do you have the right to uh be free of discrimination for example, should you be able to discriminate against somebody? And I guess I'll start with you, Sam. What do you think of that? Uh, politically, no. Or I mean, politically, yes, you should be able to discriminate. I don't think there should be a government that says you can't, or I don't think um, people should collectively say you can't discriminate. That's kind of what I was weirdly trying to get at in the beginning with the, you know, the black only dating site, you know, obviously. Or even if you were to go the reverse route, which is really weird, <laughs> like I think that's you know your prerogative. I don't think it's necessarily right in the you know the biblical sense or even in just my sense. It's like why would you be so shallow as to 
discriminate based on something like that. It doesn't make sense to me, but in the, but in terms of what political system should we have, I would say um, discrimination, as long as it's not coercive. So like a great example would be, should you help homeless people? Yes. Should you be forced to help homeless people? No. Well, very concise and well said, Brian, what do you think? Oh, Ed, that was very concise. So that gives me an extra 10 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, the, the whole thing of discrimination is that there, there's, again, 98% of it is pretty easy to see. You say that you don't like somebody because of race, gender, creed, uh, height, race, gender, creed. Uh, religious, you know, things like that. Those are pretty obvious and those are against the law. And I think most of us are kind of like, you know, law, okay, but you know, there's probably good reasons why we have that. But if you don't want to go out with somebody because they're under six feet tall, which is a real issue apparently for guys uh, with girls that, uh, you know, if you're under six feet, you're not going to, you're not going to get the hits on the various dating websites. I personally would not know because I've been married happily for, oh God, 25 years. God, where'd my life go? Anyhow, <laughs> um, but but the thing is, this is that it, is somebody saying that they don't want to date you discrimination? And can you prove it? Can you prove that that's discrimination? And right. this is where property starts getting a little fuzzy. I didn't sell. Okay, lady down the street wouldn't sell a drum set to my at the time ten year old. Now she just said that he, she thought he would beat it up now could i have sued her for discrimination probably not was it discrimination yeah was it really terrible probably not because i mean he had a drum set and he never even touched it after that um so is it you know it's this kind of thing that you just have to put into a box and say is this harming society by the lady down the street not selling a 10 year old drum set well for my ears it probably was a good thing but um it's not discriminatory. If it was a black 10 year old child who came in, wanted to buy the drum set. And she said, oh, I think you're just going to break it. Eh, that's probably going to be viewed a little bit differently through the lens of society. So, um, and Josh brings up a good point. Am I, it, would I discriminate because I won't date a dude? Uh, well, number one, I'm married. So I think I have a pretty good reason to say, <laughs> no, I won't date somebody, but that could be viewed as discrimination. You're not open to poly polygamous relationships. No, I already disappoint one spouse. Why would I want to disappoint <laughs> more than one? Okay, you know? So, again, this gets to the whole thing of, is it harming society? Yes, we know racial discrimination has harmed society for, for generations. You know, sexual, uh, sexual discrimination has harmed society for generations, and we're doing things to try to make things better. But not wanting to sell you a drum set because I think you're going to break it and it's an old lady at a garage sale, probably not going to destroy the fabric of society. So right, it's just one of those things that we just have to kind of, and as society grows, I think it's one of those things, again, that I, we have brought up in other things. There are other racial terms that we have used in history, and I'm not going to say them because, well, they'll get me canceled. But let's say a very popular football team based out of South Bend, Indiana, whose name was considered to be a racial stereotype, and they've embraced it. Now, I'm not saying that that's something that should be done with other derogatory terms for people, races, and things like that. But what I'm saying is that 
it no longer has that value because society has grown and maybe one of these days we'll be there. I don't think we're there yet. So yeah. I'm a little yeah. upset because you used the example I was going to use that you kind of discriminate all the time based on a lot of things. Like it's not ageism to say like, I like, are you discriminating against kids if you won't just date a kid technically, <laughs> but you should absolutely make that discrimination. You know what I mean? Like that is a positive discrimination to have. And there, and then we get into other like less great discriminations. And Brian, you do bring up a good point as well that that these and and Sam, you made the same point that race is a terrible thing to discriminate based on. Like just just awful. But if I give you the right right to discriminate at all, then you have the right now. And I think that introduces the next fold into this: are all rights property rights conversation? Let's not conflate this with morality. Just because I say it's not a right doesn't mean it's not a good thing or that it's not something that's important. I do not believe that you have the right to someone else's services, which means you probably don't have the right to health care. That being said, I believe it should be cheap and accessible for everyone. And if it is not, that is a loss for society. And that's a really sad thing, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I am just really I, I think for me. Uh, it makes me sad that they're not rights and that I can't define them that way. But there be there become problems when we start making positive rights and requiring them. Because if I say healthcare is a right, where does that lead? Well, now the government says, okay, I'll make sure that that happens. Okay, I'll make sure that this person. I force people to treat this person. I force this person to treat this person. I make sure that, and then I can set costs. Oh, you've made this unreasonably unaffordable. Oh, I can set this cost here. Guess what? When the government sets costs, they don't tend to do it really cheap. Uh, it turns out, if anybody's had to buy a home or go through pharmaceuticals, anything that's heavily government regulated, uh, they don't tend to set those costs real low. So I think the thing is, is like. Just because it's not a right, and I want to stress this as a libertarian, doesn't mean that it's not a good thing, one. And number two, it can even be better than a right, you know, because if we're just saying, you know, because a right be is moral. Right, right. There's a moral. There's a minimum that we're setting here, and that's the rights. But I like the idea of maximize liberty as opposed to just minimize liberty, which is why I'm, I push for people to be maximum libertarians, Right. Uh, I want people to do everything they can and be everything they can. Ian Space 71, we are glad to have you along. And I'm <laughs> glad you are stoked about this conversation, man. Uh, I am as well. Um, all right, guys. So if we're not entitled to the right of other people's services, I'm going to throw another complex one in here I'd like your thoughts on. What about the right to a fair trial? Because that is technically the right to a service, is it not? Sam, I will start with you. Oof, again. Um, so I think you you do have the right to a fair trial. I don't know that you have the right to um, jurors having to um, perform in the trial. And I don't think you have, I think you would have to hire your own lawyer and all of that. I, I forget the term anarchists used for how they would not use the court system normally. It's called where they just Basically, Arb arbitration kind of thing. arbitration. Yeah, that's the word. Oh, lawyers, <laughs> lawyers love anarchism because the pallets of stuff that they have to carry around for all their arbitration paperwork. But continue, sorry, Sam. Yeah, so I mean, everything should be kind of settled to as much as possible arbitration and all of that. Um, so, do you have the right to? You, you know, 
So it's like you need a system in place to establish someone's rights in a sense. And um, I think some sort of arbitration would work for that and self-government and all that. Yeah. So I don't think you can. So the right still comes stems from property, right? Like I, I have a right to my own life. And if you want to press charges against me for some reason, I have you know a right to defend that. And we have a right to figure that out. So good. Great points. Brian, uh, what do you think? Right to a trial. I, I Right for, I mean, the government and it has always said you have a right to a fair trial, not a perfect trial. Um, and that's obviously subjective as heck. <laughs> um, the good news but, in America, we don't do either one. Oh, yeah, no, we do. So <laughs> one I, I had a great line I wrote down. I would say, you know, we have the idea that we have equal protection for all, but the government more sees it as equal infliction upon all because that's what the government likes to do is make sure they were equally inflicted with whatever idea and right that they're giving to us but getting back to the idea of fair trial if there's any stand on equity that i'm a, i'm a big believer on it's this one because we see what money does money gets you good lawyers money gets you good people to be able to review juries more uh, the ability to go ahead and fight your charges as opposed to being thrown a terrible plea bargain that puts you in a corner that means you'll never get out uh, under its uh, circumstances where you end up spending more time on parole, which is sometimes even worse than spending time in jail. So it, as perverse as it sounds, it sometimes is. So the, the reality is I would love to see a lot of civil and criminal minor issues resolved in it. But I do still think we do need a judicial system simply because people are really smart and they know how to get around things, whether it's a judicial issue or whether it's an extrajudicial issue or whether it's a simple arbitration thing. Oops, I'm sorry, my company flattened your house. Well, unfortunately, the day before we flattened your house, we took all the assets of the company and put it in a Caribbean company. Uh, I have $3.12 left in that bank account. Sorry about your house. Have a good life. Um, you know, there would be ways to go ahead and track that down. And of course, in arbitration, uh, the ability to comply with like discovery and things like that kind of falls to the wayside. Sure. Um, so, I mean, you could see how it can get just as hairy, if not more so in an arbitration case as without having someone who can be on your side. Now, we know the terribleness of the judicial system, but I think a lot of the terribleness goes away if we stop putting so many things through the judicial system, like the drug war. <laughs> yeah, yep. We get rid of that. We can start worrying about the... Uh, the murderers and all the other things and maybe stop doing no knock raids at uh, six o'clock in the morning where oh, innocent right. guys get shot, but I'll save that for later. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you're going to save that for later. Cause that is something that we need to talk about. I do want to go back to this real quick. And, and uh, just because he mentioned it um, as a libertarian. So let's say we're against, you know, having discrimination laws, like, you know, you can discriminate if you want to as an employer. What do you do? And I'll just like on a personal level, what do you do when you see that a company has decided to stand up and say, I'm not making the cake for these gay people. These, you know, I, I don't like them or, you know, my religion doesn't want me to serve them. And so I will not do it. And I'm not going to make cake <clears throat> because I think the risk as a libertarian is you go between, well, we're divided between what is legally and morally right. How do you, 
convey that in public then uh i'll i'll flip uh, the next couple around here sam because uh you Going first is not fun on anything, especially tough questions. I will give you that one. Brian, uh, you know, what do you do? I, You know, the funny thing is this. The market resolves a lot of these. Um, if they were the only um, – uh, I got to stop it for a second. Josh, you don't need to apologize. It's okay. You have the Vikings. That's punishment enough. <laughs> Let me continue. Um, the, the thing is that, especially in the cake case – it was one of the, there, there's, there's a few things that just always popped into my mind. Number one, there's no other bakery. Now I can understand if there wasn't, it was like, this is the only bakery they, they, they have an exclusive contract in town. This gets back to the monopolistic behavior and stuff like that. But two, do you, do you really want someone who really doesn't want to do something to make something you're going to eat? <laughs> I, this, this is really a, 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 I think a deep personal philosophical question here. I, I I don't I don't want a contractor that okay perfect example I had a guy that called um, that I called up to replace a water heater in my house and he wanted two thousand dollars and it's like that's insane that the, the water heater costs like five hundred bucks two thousand dollars that was telling me I don't want to do the job guess what found a guy who did it for eight hundred bucks including the water heater okay if you don't want someone to do the job two things one price yourself out of the job. Or two, just go ahead and say, you know, he doesn't want it. It's okay. Go someplace else because that's what the market does. Now, in the case where there's no competition, completely different situation. So I, I always thought it was kind of like the, you know what, it's like artistic expression. You want me to, if someone came to me and said, you have to make me a cake and it's got to be delicious and beautiful and it's got to show two. Well, uh, my artwork is terrible, but if you want to pay me $2,000 to do it, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Brian, that's the point I was going to make. You probably don't want them working on you. If your <laughs> doctor is a self-admitted racist, you probably should have a different surgeon. Anyway, uh, Sam, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think um, that that's a great point too. Like, if a restaurant is super racist, it's it's nice to know that so that you don't go to that restaurant. And as far as baking the cake, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. You just go somewhere else. Um, if you can, if there's a monopoly, that's a whole nother subject on why there's monopolies and it has to do with the state. Um, there, there are other laws like hiring and, um, you know, obviously you don't want white only signs, seeing those everywhere. A lot of that, a lot of the times though, if you get rid of like the state propaganda on that stuff, and if you get rid, rid of the institutions that, um, you know, especially back in the day, there's you know, public schools that were white only schools and a lot of rights were, you know, like, well, I mean, just democracy in general is the majority ruling over the minority. So you're going to have sort of um, incentives to, you know, like if you're white, you have the incentive of being like, I'm white, so I'm better. So we need to make these things this way so that I can get more, you get less. Um, but if you get rid of the state and if you get, you know, you have equal rights in the sense of property rights, you're not really going to have that issue. You're going to have people who are subjective about this or that. But it's the, the overall is I think people are going to be a much kinder and much and at least the incentives will be for people to be kinder and less uh, bigoted and whatnot. 
It is unbelievable the amount of bigotry that we struggle with today that has roots and sustenance in government program. I was, I have read three race science books um, and all of them that talked about the history, talked about how this governments were incentivized to spread these lies. There is evidence that in like the 1400s, people started being like, oh, it looks like all people are kind of equal regardless of this dumb race thing. And government's like, no, 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 no. We need some imperialism. We need some feudalism. Like this is bad for all of our systems. Like we cannot have this. And you're absolutely right, Sam. Eliminating government from this equation helps. Now where I fall on this is a lot, a lot where Reinhold just suggested here, because I think it's a toughie in our current situation. He says a problem. The problem is as a libertarian is that we feel is the right of the business owner provided that they are punished via the market. Unfortunately, we have a system that protects business owners in a variety of means. So it's not a true free market. So it should be the last thing that libertarians implement. I'm inclined to agree with most of that statement because I think the thing is, is that we don't have a true free market. If the government is going to exist, then it must be fair. Let's look at, I don't think the government should be marrying anybody. Like, no, why? You know what I mean? Why should you have to recognize my marriage, right? It's, it's kind of anti-libertarian, right? But if they are going to have marriage licenses, then they need to do them fairly and non-discriminatorily. Right. We've been talking about positive discriminations that we've been allowed to make. Right. And then kind of dunking on some of the negative ones. And so when the government has a negative one. So, for example, you know, interfering with this free market and allowing some of these places that would absolutely collapse in a market system that had to pay for their own awful ideas. Then, I, you know, for me, I do because I see government pushing this system and pushing bigotry, I kind of see them as one and the same. And so for me, I will say, yes, I support their right to discriminate. As far as when I'm asked to talk, comment about their discrimination, I am absolutely going to be hardcore against it. Like it is, <laughs> it is a terrible type of thing. And I think more libertarians should be vocal about it because I think that it is something that the government perpetuates. It is something that their system has allowed and encouraged. It is done historically. It is still current because, Hey, History made this system, guys. We're living in it. History has become this, right? And so we need to look back, see what we've become now, and recognize and say, what's the root of that thing? Oh, it's this stupid bigot idea that, you know, governments had some incentive, and now they want to play act all high and mighty and just say, well, it's too bad. The system is what it is. I can't do anything about the drug laws. I, I wish I wish I didn't pass that law 15 years ago. My bad. You That's know, a like great Joe Biden impersonation. Thank you. <laughs> I think I think my Joe Biden impersonation is more like when I forget my train of thought, right? When I'm just <laughs> when I just start going off on something else. All right, cool. Well, uh, I mean, we've had some good ones here. Um, looking over, like again, more like UN lists of rights and uh, things like yeah. that. Oh, Brian, go ahead. I, I, the one thing I just keep coming back to with this is again, we get back to where we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. What is discrimination? I'm not saying that it's nothing and blah, blah, blah. But let, let me just get back to it. To the old lady that refused to sell my kid a drum set um, because he was a white 10-year-old boy. No one's going to see it as discrimination, just grumpy old lady. White 10-year-old girl. Maybe she thinks that she can't play drums. She's a girl. Black 10-year-old girl. I mean, then we start getting into really, you know, public perceptions and it and then in her case she's just cranky so you know 
we tend to look for the worst in behavior as, as kind of a, a, a I want to say a, a, a reach. And, and trust me, government hasn't done anything to make us feel more comfortable that, well, maybe we're overreaching on this because, yeah, there's plenty of things and there's plenty of things in society. But maybe we need to stop and take a deep breath and saying, is this really hardcore discrimination that we all want to stand up against? Um, or is this just somebody being a jerk? Yeah. And it's not illegal to be a jerk. Trust me, uh, the Libertarian Party, if it was illegal to be a jerk, I'll be in jail. <laughs> We'd be done. <laughs> but but uh, it's not illegal to be a jerk. And I think that's probably one of those things that we maybe want to keep is that I have the right to go ahead and say, I don't want to associate with you. Uh, there's plenty of people inside the LP I don't really want to associate with. And there's plenty that I do. And there's plenty on the Democrats, Republicans, you know, probably not the people that want to marry their off their 12 year old daughters. I probably don't want to associate with them, which gets back to the whole marriage license thing. Um, but we can talk about that at a different time. So uh, it's age of consent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. No. How many third rails are we going to touch tonight? Come on. I mean, you know, I think the age of consent is a good example, though, because I think I do think there's a priority list that we t that we need as libertarians to say, like, what is the most, you know, to say oh, that, sure. you know, when we are dismantling the current system, if we're going to do it slowly and not the Hody way, way where we just overthrow it tomorrow and start all over from scratch. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but if we do do that. You know, what what are laws that we focus on first? So, for example, do we focus on that cake shop first or do we focus on, let's say there's a law that says you can't discriminate, right? I don't. <laughs> there are a lot of libertarians that love to be like, the first thing I'm going to do is repeal the Civil Rights Act. OK, <laughs> there is a lot of problems that come a little bit before the Civil Rights Act. Just a couple, right? That, speaking that of problems, Jacob, think thanks of. for joining. Yeah, and hey, we got Jacob here too, by the way. Uh, Jacob, welcome to the program. And Jacob, you probably have the most hardcore view on this one. Now, I believe all of us pretty much agree that, unfortunately, all rights are property rights. I know that kind of sucks. But <laughs> I know you want to be see a big fight. But Jacob, I'd like to give you to give us just your thoughts on all rights being property rights, agree, disagree, how you feel about it. Why is that the origin? What does that mean? Take it away. Okay. Well, um, basically, um, all rights are property rights, you know, is, to go trace that claim back to its source. It's kind of like, well, what, what do we have that's fundamental? What do we have that we can take a priori? Um, and the only thing that we can really take a priori is basically human action which is that like we, we observe in the human world that humans inevitably, no matter you know what religion you are, no matter what background you have, no matter where you live, uh, no matter what language you speak, you, you're going to act. You know what I mean? Humans cannot live by not acting. It's, you know, even if you were to choose, like, I'm going to sit here and do nothing, that's inherently an action. This is a, this is a very uh, Misesian observation. Um, so from the foundation of humans acting, um, basically... Um, we start by identifying that uh, when somebody, you know, acts, you know, that they're acting with their bodies. And so that, you know, is one of the basis for uh, the idea of self-ownership. Um, another basis for self-ownership um, would be, you know, something that uh, is referred to as argumentation ethics, which is basically that like um, property, like self-ownership is necessarily inherent and to try to argue against 
the idea of self-ownership necessarily uh, demonstrate that you believe in self-ownership? Because if you're going to argue against somebody, you're treating them as if they are responsible for their own words and their actions. Um, and so um, basically, and we can go into this more in detail if, if you guys have like counter arguments to it, but I'm just trying to go through it kind of step by step, um, just kind of in a very summary form. But basically, you start with self-ownership as being the axiom that is self-evident through observation and logic. And um, if people own themselves, then that means that they own their labor. And that means that they um, anything that they mix with their labor is a natural extension of themselves. And so then where this comes into the conversation about rights, well, I've often said that, you know, what's the definition of rights? Rights are basically entitlements. They're things that 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 people owe you. Um, and really, uh, if we're starting from the foundation of self-ownership, well, we cannot say that people owe you things if the thing that you say that they owe them would violate their self-ownership. So the only thing that really um, can we can say that people owe you um, are basically they don't violate your self-ownership. And so this is where the idea that all rights are property rights basically comes from, um, at least in, in the framework that I use, which is basically that like, um, you know, if people own themselves, they own their labor, they own the property, the things that they have either mixed their labor with and they've created something new um, or it's something that they've traded uh, for for from somebody else. Um, and, you know, so you can't, you know, any any violation of, of that um, is a violation of their rights. And then if we talk about th other things that, you know, because because I don't think anybody disagrees that, you know, property rights are rights, the 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 edginess or the somewhat like provocativeness of the claim comes when you say all rights are property rights and there's nothing else. And that, that tends to be, I think, where the hangup is, unless you're talking to somebody who has no conception of property rights, which, you know, I mean, unless we're talking to like a hardcore commie or, or socialist, uh, you're generally not going to get a lot of pushback there. But some people might might say, well, you know, sure, there's property rights, but there's other rights. There's like the the right to the freedom of movement. There's a right to free speech. There's a uh, a right to own and bear arms. There's like, you know, and um, while some of those ideas, I think, are good ideas, and I think that they are things that, you know, a, a moral society, a, you know, people who care about liberty, you know, those are things that I think will, will naturally um, come to the forefront uh, of things that are enforced. Um, I don't think that you can say that. Uh, I think that viewing those things in, in those like expressing those things in 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 that kind of positive rights framework, even if you're even if you can make the argument they aren't exactly positive rights, um, is a slippery slope to, that leads to um, the idea of positive rights. And the, the problem is that the minute we say that people have a right to something that isn't just property rights, we are going to inherently be advocating for something that violates self-ownership. Um, or we're going to be talking about something that's just like, you know, like a, a fart in the wind that doesn't have any meaning. So um, yeah, that's basically a summary of, of what my views are. I think, so I'm going to do a, another, uh, I'm going to bring up an issue that Reinhold had with it, with the claim of self-ownership here. Can I say um, something? Quick? And then we can go round circle. Yep. Sam, go ahead, because I, I, I'll give Jacob a chance to rest his, his poor voice there, but I appreciate what he <laughs> had to say. And I want to circle back to Jacob because this is a, in an argument against what he said. But go ahead, Sam. It, it reminds me of what Rothbard said in For a New Liberty, that book you 
you're doing in your book study now. Yep. But it, it Rothbard said, so either we believe that there's like three situations. One where everybody owns everything. So like I own, if there's mm-hmm. 6 billion people in the world, I own one six billionth of Jacob. Or you believe that um, we all own ourselves. Or the third is that people A own people B. And it's like people A own. So if we all, we can't, I can't possibly have a way of controlling one six billionth of Jacob. So that way, so then we tend to have you know right. leaders or have to elect people. So then we're just back to people A ruling over people B, which I don't, I don't, that doesn't make sense either in a lot of senses. So you could go ahead, Brian. Well, with modern technology, I can definitely control one six billionth of Jacob. So Jake, if you don't mind me putting (laughs) the implant, we can take care of things. I think, I think the problem, Jacob, is that, and before you joined, we were talking about this for 98% of our interactions in the world, you're, you're correct that we own ourselves. The, the problem that I'm going to bring up, and, and uh, Dennis is going to bring it up here as well, is the idea that I own myself and that I can, I, I can only own myself. And that's where I think the problem lies, is that the only person that can own me is me. And it gets a little fuzzy then when we start talking about the idea of children or the infirm or mentally infirm. Because... Somebody has to kind of own them unless you're into the whole feral children thing. Well, Um, maybe we should not to interrupt you, but maybe we should define what ownership is, because often when I hear this with this this line of argument um, that that you and Reinhold are kind of putting out, it seems like there's almost two different definitions of ownership being being talked about here, because I would define ownership just as like the right to control something like the right to use it. So. If I don't own myself, I don't have a right to use my 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 body and my labor and stuff. Then then who does? You know what I mean? Like, well, so that that that's where I would you know be can I would you know I, I would push to maybe see what your guys' definition of ownership is if it oh, matches up with mine or not. Well, the thing is, control can also be you know I can have I can rent something. I have control of it when I'm renting. It doesn't mean I own it. So it's kind of like who well, that's a owns- contract, right? Yeah, but if it's a contract, it's only for a certain amount of terms. And in most rental cases, it doesn't say you can rent this car and for 10 bucks I rent it to you. And if you decide to crash it into a wall, oh, well, have a great time. Um, no, you no, have they to usually make you sign, usually make sure you have it's going to be covered on your insurance or you have to buy a supplemental like temporary insurance policy for the length of time that you're you're renting the property. So, so, so they again, are you can't you, go you don't necessarily own the car. You yeah. own the right to use the you car the right in a certain way. It. Yeah. But you don't own the car. And this is maybe where we need to change the phrase a bit, because this happens a lot in things where, you know, say, well, ownership implies ownership. You know, I own this pencil. Uh, I spent a billion NFTs. Make it an apple. Yeah, or an apple. (laughs) Uh, No, the apples are locked away. with Apples are communal property, changed my mind. (laughs) Yeah, the apples are with the nuclear weapons at the moment. So, you know, we just can't take those out. (laughs) Um. But the reality is, is that ownership and self-ownership, and I, and I think that's a, probably a pretty good phrase to say, is that I own myself. I own choices I make, but I also have children and they have children. Mm-hmm. Do I own my grandchildren? No. Do my kids own their kids? To a point, yes, but no. 
do I do, do concede I, that with children, this is like a, a messy thing. And, and Rothbard well, went too far on this topic. Like he said, parents basically did own their children, um, which right. which is the one of the few areas of disagreement I have with Rothbard. Well, there's plenty more to go there. But but then the, how about the mentally infirm or the physically infirm? I mean, like, you know, grandma is 89 years old and not in her right mind. And some dude came along and said, I got this apple. And it's the best apple in the world. And you just sign your house over to me and you can have this apple. Okay. You know, again, this gets back to ownership and what is ownership and how do we perceive it as that? And so if I, there are people that are not incapable functions and as society, we set rules around those to go ahead and make sure that they are either taken advantage of or used horribly like, Oh, I don't know. Slavery. Um, I would say you don't own those people. You own the responsibility. If, and if and maybe a, that's a possible good, distinction. Or, or you're renting the responsibility. There we go. We're renting the responsibility. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, and I think this yeah. comes down to transference of ownership. How does ownership get transferred, whether it's self or otherwise? Because and, and now I'm going to go ahead and sound like the far right leaner here. But this is to, for Reinhold to... Be fairness, I want to bring up his point and finish off the example here. But he said the problem with self-ownership is in essence that you can it implies that a human being is able to be owned, right? And then he talks about example. I was having a discussion with Joshua Smith about this. He said, You have the right to self-ownership, then I can sell myself into slavery if I choose. I can then tend that you cannot. You cannot sign away your ownership of yourself to someone else. I would uh I would disagree and slap me in the face with a raw chicken. I'm agreeing with uh Joshua Smith on something, but I, I do agree with him. Too. I, I I and that's you know what? Then we got ourselves a fun debate with like 15 minutes to go. So this should be fun. But here's the thing. Like for me, if you are have done it and of the right mind, you sell bits of yourself no matter what. If we agree that like, you know, that that your work is part of you and an extension of yourself and the product of your labor is parts of yourself, well, you're selling that left and right all the time. So we talk about the idea of self-ownership. The idea is if it can't be done, that means someone has to stop it and someone has to oversee it and someone has to regulate it. And that means government and they will do it like crap. I guarantee it. And so like I, and I'll, and this is not to say, because I do agree that kids are of themselves, and this is where I, I, I do agree, you don't have ownership over a child, because I think part of giving away that self-ownership is voluntary. And a person at that age cannot voluntarily do it. A person in a mentally enfeebled state of mind does not realize what they are giving away, does not know. And I think part of that knowledge is a huge part of this conversation. To say that, because I don't believe that anybody in their right mind, now, this is largely a, a conversation about luxury, because I don't think anybody would do it if they had the knowledge of what it did. You know, if I take a pill and I say it'll cure your cancer and it blow, and it makes your head explode, I believe you have violated that person's right to life, you know, because I didn't disclose a piece of information that they should have known. This is very similar to where I see the, can I sell myself into slavery discussion? Now, this is a hypothetical dystopian universe where we're in at this point, or I would say utopian universe we're in. And I believe that you can, right? But this is, but it is something that I think like, I don't think that anybody in this universe with that concept of self-ownership and the ability to give away that self-ownership would actually do it. The other you thing know? is like, I just, I would need to see like, and like the problem is with, with hypotheticals is that sometimes they're describing situations that, don't have a real life corollary or if they do i need to see the specific case by case corollary to see 
how I feel about that because there's probably some like specific examples that we could explain where I'd go, yeah, you know what? I think that person's maybe not acting in their best interest, but they have a right to do what they're doing. But there's other, you know, examples of maybe this weird hypothetical where I'd go, well, no, that that's, you know, there's, there's something in that contract that, that makes it null and void uh, that makes it illegitimate. So it, it's one of those things where, I mean, it reminds me of the whole, like, well, what if I buy, what if in Encapistan I buy up all of the land around you and landlock you in and you can't leave? I mean, it reminds me of those silly examples that, that I think. Oh, well, no, right. At this point, we are debating silly. for fun. I totally I, I, get I, that. Too. Yeah. Wait, Brian, I promise you get to go next, but okay. I, I just want to say this, like just something to think about. If you can sell somebody your time for five minutes, why not six minutes? Why not six years? Why not 60 years? Why not 600 years? Okay. Sorry. That's just, that's just my line of thinking on it. Brian, go ahead. Okay. Take the floor. Back in the 1500s, 1400s, things like that, you would go to a bar, get drunk, wake up on a, on a ship out in the middle of the ocean. You've just sold Shanghai. your rights. What? Shanghai. Shanghai. Yes, that's the term. <laughs> so you've sold yourself. Now, were you in the right state of mind? Were you drugged? I mean, this kind of gets into the whole day rape thing. You know, okay, we're going to go third rail tonight. I mean, we've already touched like five or six of them. Let's go ahead and number seven. Just because that you were drugged up, does that mean you consented? You know, and, and you could say, well, it's just regret after the case. But really, is it? I mean, the thing is this. You're right, Hody, that we do sell ourselves like minutes at a time. But we can still walk away. You know, the, the, the very few cases where you could say, well, you know, uh, give me a real world example. Okay, mission to Mars. I'm going to pay you $10 million. High chance you won't come back or won't come back at all. And you go, okay. Sure, I'll take the risk, but that's where you're not going to be going up to five-year-olds going, hey, you want to go to Mars? Let's go ahead and go, buddy. Come on, get on. Get. Or going to people that are incapable of making that kind of monumental decision. That That's the kind of things that we're talking about here. For the 98% of consensual decisions, you know, we, we go ahead and can manage this. But I think there are some that we should have a, a good stop on and yes and in campus and campus stand there won't be any breaks enjoy what you're doing there but like you know like you know raping children or having sex with children is probably a bad time to wave hody um <laughs> anyhow um but raping children they and coordinated like that, that. <laughs> but we all consider that bad and we would all consider that a terrible thing to have happen and why can't we do the same with selling yourself into slavery. Now, yes, you can say we sell ourselves minutes at a time, but the reality is when you get into these hard situations, which people ta are talking about, oh, this will never happen. We have real, we have examples of where it could happen. And I think it's one of those things where we take a stand and say, you have a fixed amount of time for me to do whatever services you want me to do. But uh, as Dennis said, you know, if, if you order me that I own you and you have to go do something totally unethical and illegal or I'm going to take back all the money I paid you. And so I, I think there ought to be protections of that to go. No, I'm not going to burn down the preschool so we can go ahead and put in a new pig farm. So sorry. I don't know if it makes me a bad anarchist, but like I kind of disagree with Hody and Josh, I think a little bit like I don't think I, I just think, again, start with with the way I described how we come to self-ownership it's like i don't think you can sell your i don't think you can sell your self-ownership you can rent your time and your labor to other people but i don't, I don't see how you could because because um and brian brought up a good point like 
you always have a right to walk away when you're in a voluntary agreement where somebody is renting your your labor and your and your your physical body for example but like to sell your like i don't to me it's just like it's like saying a square like being saying you can sell your self or sell your self ownership is like saying that you can make a square circle like these are just contradictory terms like right. if you own yourself you can't separate yourself from yourself <laughs> um so um no i'm the only true come, anarchist come Lauren. to the dark side Jacob. <laughs> no but come i don't do the dark side i, I, I think I, you know and uh i love josh he's a friend but i think and i love hody he's a friend but i think they were i think that it's I think there's just something that's like a philosophical non-starter to say, oh, well, if you own yourself, can you sell yourself? It's like, well, no, because like you can't until we find a way to export consciousness from your body, right. then come back and talk to me. Like if you can, if I can download my consciousness to a computer and upload it into an artificial body. Okay, completely different ball game, I guess. But I think uh, they're talking about like indentured servitude, though. But like, that's different. Know, that's like that is what we're talking about. But that's that's not really somebody <laughs> terrible owning. Thing. I said nobody would do it. I didn't say it was awesome. Well, then there's but different the forms people of did. But there's different forms. So listen, there's different forms of indentured yeah, servitude. The indentured servitude that's described in the Old Testament Bible is not people owning other people. It was like you went, you you owed somebody a debt. You went into a work contract with them where you had to work off that debt. But by the way, every seven years you were let free. Is that a violation of self-ownership in this example? No, well, it's not. Well, a good example would be like the early colonies where they, they basically indentured servitude. You, you, Someone would own you for at least a couple of years just so you could get passage to you know America and the colonies. Right. Now, were there good and bad examples of that where sometimes it, you know, it, it worked out great and other times there were abuses? Of course. And, you know, Mostly. nothing's ever perfect. But I mean, um, you know, if we're going to if we're going to, you know, I, I, we, we can't subject ourselves to like the, the Nirvana fallacy and be like, ah, oh, well, the minute I find one example of where things can go wrong, then the whole thing's debunked. It's like, well, I mean as long as there's humans involved, there's always going to be different ways it can right. go, go wrong. We're just trying to look at what's the, you know, what's the least shitty. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I, so, I would say yeah. like if yeah. you were to do lifelong indentured servitude, I would yes. argue that someone making that decision um, is making a great case against their own sanity. Yeah. Then you probably, have to, yeah. You have to ask yourself, yeah. are they able, is anyone able to actually sell themselves? But, but what if, it, what if it was a contract that was like um, lifelong, but every 10 years, there's like an opt out every five years, there's an opt out or, or, you know what I mean? It's like, you have to look at, it's just, but, and then, and then again, no one would really sell, like if we had it in Kapistan and they had these kind of contracts, no one's going to go around advertising them as, you know, like, you know, Hey, sign this contract to sell yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you got to get down to the nitty gritty. And the Church of Scientology does it all the time. So I mean, come on, guys, plenty of examples. <laughs> I, I mean, if 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 a perfectly sane person wanted to do indentured servitude for life, they have. I would say they have every right to do that. Scientologists I, will come with me on a helicopter ride. I, I, I think the thing is, is we live and, in an imperfect world, and so the thing is, is and I agree with what Lou and Jacob and, and Reinhold are bringing up that we live in this real world where people actually are selling themselves into indentured servitude because of usually like some problem that can orig originate in the state. And so th these are problems that are, it's, it's a tangled web, right? It's hard to just say, okay, well, we're going to let you sell yourself into slavery now. And it's like, well, okay, I might believe that you have the right to do that, just like as I believe you have the right to 
prostitute yourself for any amount of time or whatever. I hope that you don't, but you can't. You well, know, some like, people would and, some people would call working for slave wages as like yeah. selling. You know what I mean? Selling yourself into into slavery, which I don't. I, I would say you have a right to do that. And and then some some areas of the world, you know, we can seem rather privileged to be like. <laughs> that's a good one. Well, um, that's great. I, that Luke, was the Luke's perfect enough some singers here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Compared to be the, a the state, state contract, an eternal contract out of marriage. Yeah, completely. <laughs> You know, I, and I think that that's the thing is like we just live in an imperfect world. And I and I, I do agree. Like my push and my thing is like a libertarian is like I'm not leading the charge by saying like, come on, guys, let's fight for the right to sell ourselves in indentured servitude. My point is more this. And this is a quote that I absolutely love from Henry Ford. But he says the one rule for the industrialist is to make the best quality goods possible, at the lowest cost possible, paying the highest wages possible. And I don't believe that if we get to that free market system that anyone is going to look competitively and say, hmm, this guy wants my services forever. And this guy just wants my services and I can quit at any time. I'm going to take that one. You yeah, know, like who is not going to take that one? Like and, and, just, that's, and I agree with what Sam said. Some people that that would fall into those things are making it a good case that perhaps they're not completely there. <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, have you guys ever been on a cruise ship? Those people are there for pretty long times, and they can go home, of course, at an exceptional cost to themselves. It's just a three-hour cruise. <laughs> We're not talking Gilligan's Island here. So are you saying if you want to quit mid-cruise, Brian, that like basically they'll drop you off at the next port, but then you're on your okay. No, no, oh, here's no. even even if you quit at the end of a cruise, let's say like you have a contract that's like, uh, I have to go home and take care of my sick mother, something okay. like that. They're they're pretty terrible. You got you got it's basically okay. Well, we're not paying your full contract. Sure. Uh, we pay you a pittance pretty much, and good luck getting home. That's that's what it is. And of course, there are lots of times where people hold on to other people's passports. Well, we're, we're just holding it for your safety, blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't get lost. And then, of course, that company can take months and you're stuck sitting outside the boat. So, again, this gets kind of in a bad spot pretty quick. And there are plenty of examples of, yeah, there are plenty of bad things that go on behind the scenes that Here's we talk about i'm just now finding out how bad cruise ships are here's a good hypothetical that came up in a podcast i did like a month ago um with uh with with, with, uh rachel blackfire and her husband jake um if i catch a stowaway on my plane while we're in midair do i have the right to express my property rights by pushing them out out the plane while we're in in midair legally or morally yeah <laughs> legally no legally I, and here's the thing i would i would agree with brian i don't think you have the i think you have the legal right to to like oh go gosh. after them after the fact and like yeah. you know like say uh you stowed away illegally so you need to I, pay me what you, you know a you, certain fine or something but you can't push them off the plane and kill, like the violation I, of them stowing away doesn't equal death <laughs> like, I mean, it, you'd be the aggressor there it's implicit that you wouldn't do that if if that was the case you would have to expressly let them know that you know if i don't like you halfway through i'm just going to push you out is that okay no it's different it, no it's, di- it's different if you sell someone a ticket and they and you invite them on then it's clear cut you have no right to push them out even if cause like you put you intentionally put them in a precarious situation you can't decide halfway it's a little bit different with a stowaway someone who is there without permission oh. but i still think that even if they're right. there without their permission 
Um, yeah, exactly. Reinhold's actually correct. It's proportional yeah. re response. It's like so you have a right. Say actually yeah. correct. Reinhold's right yeah. about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just not this. <laughs> well, uh, here's, here's, what I mean. What I mean is Reinhold and I actually actually agree for once. I can't believe I'm I'm the righty on this show. Whatever. Well, what the thing is this. Let me let me ask this question. You're if the you're, character we have, of. Um, we have lots of people that are getting disrupted on platens because COVID's just made them nuts. Does the plane? I mean, in a lot of cases, the plane lands and drops them off of where they're at. Now that's. Okay, that's fine because you are a danger. Do oh, you yeah. have the right to push them out thirty six thousand feet? No, no, you don't. You don't have a right to kill them. A gray now, area for now, me would be: Do you have a right to leave them on a deserted island? It's like, uh, yeah, maybe. That's, yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. But but here, here's the other thing I would say about it: Is this: You don't have a right to kill them. You have a right to drop them off right Podunk town you land at and say good luck. Um, but then again, you get to the point of. Where does my property rights? And let's say I get on the plane. It's a small plane, and I didn't know it's a stowaway. We have a long flight going to somewhere. There's no place to stop. We're all going to die if you're on here. Now, this is the 99.9999999999% unlikely to happen. But Ryan just started speaking German there. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, boy. But but yeah, if it's like okay, the survival of the plane is because you. Dumbass got on board. We're all going to die. Actually, that's isn't that there is a movie based on that. But anyhow, so throw them out of the plane so that the rest of you can survive. That's a slightly different story. But again, that's not based in reality. So uh, if that ever happens again, besides in, you know, on Netflix on, you know, then fine. But again, I think you have a right to land, kick them off the plane, send them the bill and continue your flight. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all agreeable on the moral thing. I might, I might have some legal qualms about it, but I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think it's hard for me to think of how it would work in a legal sense to say that I have forced you to give me your service without your consent, because that can be con that can. What you be do is you sue them afterwards. You know what I mean? A lot of things. You can well, you can yeah. sue them. You know what I mean? It's like it's like if some if somebody like uh you know steal like if an employee steals from you. You have a right to sue them for what they've stolen from you, but you don't have the right to like, you know, go to their house, kick down their door, shoot them, and and take back the money they stole from you. Like it's, you know, I I do think I, I don't think that it's anti right wing. I mean, I think I'm one of the. I think I'm probably the most right wing no, right. libertarian on this show, but I don't think that it's inherently like a, a necessary aspect of being right wing that uh you you take out the proportional response aspect of, right. of, of legal theory. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your, yeah. your lap children are supposed to be two and under your child celebrated his second birthday yesterday. Well, I got news for you about the kid. We don't have any open seats. Out they go. Oh, this God. is Hody's world. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I mean, and I agree and I didn't even mean to make this ref left or right. Cause to be honest with you, I just got out of a book club with like, five libertarian like lefties and socialists and whatnot one of which is zach brad our mutual friend jacob and um and all of them were because i even said because we were reading for a new liberty and i was like all right anybody got beef with like rights being based on property rights and all of them were like nah that's we're on board so it is kind of one of those interesting subjects that i'm like wow wow like marx and adam smith did not get along 
<laughs> but they can both agree that rights might be based in property rights. And so it is something we're thinking about. Um, anybody else want to did any any thoughts on the subject that didn't come out during the course of this conversation? I mean, the only moved? the only thing that I was not sure if we were going to get on, but we don't yeah. have to. was just that, again, like the pushback that I often get isn't so much that, well, self-ownership isn't legitimate. It's just the people will be like, oh, but what about LGBT rights? What about uh, the right to... Uh, to freedom of travel or something like that, which is like, now that's something I would say you don't have a right to freedom of travel. Like you don't have a right to move wherever you want. You have a right to, you know, you, you have a right to not be imprisoned. You know what I mean? So like you, you have a right to not be like artificially, like people box you in and you're not allowed to, to, to leave. Cause that's like, you know, you're holding someone hostage, but you don't have a right to just like, Oh, well, you know, I'm here and I want to go to point B and just draw a straight line from here to there. And I have a right to just, you know, you know, walking a straight line from here to there, no matter what's in the middle. Um, so, well, you know, sure, because there's presumably there's other people's property is in the middle, right? Yeah. Right. Well, is that well, the reason? Right. They have that in some countries. Iceland has that, that you have the right to cross someone's property as long as you go from point A to point B across their property. It's in right. their law. But see, I would say that's a violation of property rights. But, but again, they, it calls yeah. for a proportional response. Yeah, right. you can't just gun right. people who are walking across your your you, lawn. You, down. you can't you can't buy all the property around their house, block it all off, and say right. you can't go. Right? No, I is think that, that would actually. Be, I think if you did that, no, I I actually think you can't do that because that would be an initiation of aggression to hold somebody hostage in their own home. I know That's my answer. To loving that. government roads by the end of this podcast. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> No, it's all right. I mean, and the, and the thing is, is this, you know, and, and Lou brought this up. Does this, this get to reduce you out of, out of certain, of course, a little bit. That's kind of how all philosophical debates like are started and kind of how they end. Because the thing is, is if it's a philosophical truth, you should be able to apply it all the time. Right. And so this is when you talk about something basic, like the origin of all rights, you know, it becomes something that they say, like, OK, what do property rights say? And sometimes those rights will conflict with each other. And that's where we require nuance, which is why there's some gray area here. Everybody, thank you so much for sticking with the first half of this episode. We are going to come back with a piece of my mind. And I already know ahead of time that this is going to be pretty intriguing. So hang on and we will be right back. All right, everybody, thank you so much for hanging up with us through the break here. Uh, peace of my mind time, and I'm going to talk about something completely non-political. Um, I'm going to talk about sports, cheating in sports, and what should happen to cheating in cheaters in sports, and uh, just because I feel like the it. The gulag. And, yeah, and a piece of my mind. Uh, they get their I, balls inflated. <laughs> I loathe cheating, uh, and I don't... And for me, I think it's fine to say I find this rule unfair or find it to be bad or and, and do work to change it. But when you give yourself an unfair competitive advantage over somebody that is obeying the rules, I think that should be seen as is like one of the worst things that you can do. Now, the thing is, is our culture is not there and our mentality is not there and the league punishments aren't there. So like when somebody, you know, for and so we see it as kind of smaller depending on the nature of the cheating. So for example, steroids, big friggin' deal right now because we've decided to make that a big deal. And indeed, you can give yourself a massive competitive advantage with steroids. But then again, there are also times and, and you know, where a doctor, and I actually know some athletes who went through this said, I, I would have been prescribed a steroid, but my doctor realized that I was in this and I would get disqualified. So I got prescribed this worst thing. And then you see that athlete injure the same leg 
because they used an inferior thing, got rushed back onto the field, whatever you want to say. There's a lot of different factors at play here, but it hurts to see when somebody re-aggravates the same injury because, you know, and, and so I agree that like steroids is kind of arbitrary, but I do think that if it's not against the rules, then you need to agree to that and you need to adhere to that. Because I do think like when you engage in a war, you not only are taking somebody else's stuff, I think you are also risking what you have as well. That's part of it is to say, it's not that I get to shoot from my neighbor's house and somebody just tells me to knock that off and I go, oh, okay. No, somebody's going to come in and be like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that anymore, right? And put a stop to it. So if some, you know, if some country starts a war, they should have something at stake as opposed to just, we just launched a few missiles. We just launched a few missiles. It don't, don't matter. It doesn't, don't worry about it. We're just launching missiles. Like I'm not actually over there. You know, and I feel like it's the same thing with like steroids, because what you just say is like, hey, you know what, if this is your legacy and you say, OK, look, I did steroids, but I didn't start until after I was already pretty awesome. I don't care. You've you've put up to risk your whole persona. It's all on the line. And so for me personally, I would ax all of these steroid users from the Hall of Fame. I would be very indiscriminate about it. And I would ask even somebody who deflates footballs from the Hall of Fame. That includes Tom Brady, who's probably the best quarterback ever lived. And that's probably true even if he didn't deflate the football. So I want to be, make this to be clear that I'm not saying this because I think he's any less talented. But I hate cheating. You should not be able to cheat. And if you cheat, it should be very serious and it should damage your entire team. I think they should strip the trophies from any team that you're on if you're caught cheating. Because here's the thing is all this might sound excessive, right? And it's true. If we were to go back and do that, we'd be like, well, this team's disqualified and this team's disqualified. And we're going to have to, right? I get that. But if we make that a policy going forward and just say like, hey, going forward, completely gone. Do you think other teams are going to allow you to deflate other teams? Because everybody knew it was going on, right? Like if anybody read anything from that Wells report, you're like, oh, gosh. Even like the trainers are like, ah, yep, there he goes deflating the footballs again. Oh, he's having this guy do it again. There's an awareness, right? Like they know it's happening, right? Do you think other teammates are going to be like, oh, go ahead and do those steroids. If we get caught, they'll just take away my Super Bowl championship. I don't care. Go ahead. No, that's when you get this kind of self-enforcement here. Now, I will say this, and I will make one exception here. I get that what Kurt Schilling said sucks and that Kurt Schilling is kind of a crappy human being. Uh, he made a crappy video game studio and made a lot of promises that didn't pan through and got the government to pay for a lot of his mistakes out there in Connecticut for his crappy video game studio. Okay. So Kurt Schilling and I aren't BFFs as far as that goes. But the fact that he didn't get into the Hall of Fame purely because he's a crappy person. Now that I established that there is a difference there between I cheated to win. I defrauded the sport and defrauded the competition. That's bad. Stay out of the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling should absolutely be in. Um, I know that this last time, just this very last ballot, he personally requested that people say no so that the what uh, the the committee could get could vote him in because he and the writers weren't getting along or whatever. But it's not supposed to be about your little beefs like with the writers and the players. Like it's about it's about how they played the game. <laughs> we don't. This isn't a hall of remarkable characters. Believe me. If you take a walk down Cooperstown or go to Canton and look at the bus there, yeah, look at some of those biographies. These are not people you want to be character models for your children. 
you do want them to be football models and baseball models for your children. And that's why they're there. So I do think that in the case of Kurt Schilling in, in the case of Brady and Bonds, I say out. I know that this is a uh, harsh response, but uh, how do you guys feel about that? Anybody? I'll jump in because I always have something stupid to say. Sweet. Um, the, the question is this. Um, one thing I, I had seen is that it's well known that there's a lot of cheating going on in the NFL. Now, whether that's winning or losing in the cases of Miami and Cleveland on purpose, does that mean those teams get whatever they have stripped from them? And it's obviously found beyond the, uh, after the fact, do we reshuffle the, the deck chairs um, with what's going on uh, in those, with those teams. It is very difficult because people are smart. People will know how to game the system. Um, this year, this this last decade, it's been steroids and customized chemistry for that. What if in five years it's RNA that causes you to go ahead and have, you know, better chance of hitting, throwing, catching, deflating balls, whatever it is, um, and it's not illegal, but then it becomes illegal. Do, do we put an asterisk? Do we do, you know, what do we do? I, I think the great thing is this. We have to recognize really good talent. And Barry Bonds was a hell of a player before. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, and yes, we all know him and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Put an asterisk up. Put an asterisk up and said, you know, there's concerns that they were cheating. Trust me, they're suffering. They'll, they'll, they're, them not being in uh, Cooperstown or staying late or even Pete Rose. Pete Rose is my personal favorite how much betting is there going on inside sports i mean we've got yeah. freaking nfl owners sitting there saying you know we know these people are calling terrible plays to tank the team so they can yeah. get a better draft pick how is that not worse than- can you imagine if they did to michael jordan what they did to pete rose can you imagine what michael jordan did to get suspended from the nba for a couple of years yeah yeah to, to be not be suspended but to go play baseball yeah yeah <laughs> Go play yeah. baseball for a couple of years. Come back. I'm sure there was a deal there because Michael's a hell of a gambler. <laughs> so, right. so, but imagine this all comes out. Do, do we put an asterisk on Michael Jordan? He was the greatest player of all time. Steroids, Not whatever, blah, blah, blah. He, better than LeBron. LeBron's a whiny blah. Um, <laughs> but he's the greatest player. Do we put an asterisk if we find 10 years from now that, you know, he, he bet on a few games? Right. Probably not. So, Throw the asterisk up, put them in the the. Don't put them in the main gallery. Put them over there in the. Yeah, yeah, they were good, but we got asterisk gallery. Yeah, I like that. All right, I'm fine with that. Yeah, the asterisk gallery sponsored by asterisk, the the company that's going to do something. (laughs) I mean, I think the 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 punishment sort of has to fit the crime. Um, So you know, some obvious steroids would be an obvious fail. You know, if you're faster than everyone because you took a bunch of steroids well that that takes away a lot from the game i will say that um you know like different players or teams will play differently depending on who the ref is and stuff like that um so like they'll be a lot more handsy with uh these types of refs and they'll they won't get called and they'll they'll know that and they'll push the boundaries so there is an aspect because it is so incredibly competitive that if um there's any lacks in the regulation and how they enforce it, you're supposed to push that max and 
even go over it. So I think um, cheating is, in a sense, almost part of the game um, to a small extent. Um, well, I think my my problem with uh, most sports, but especially football, which has always been my favorite sport, is just that, and, and I agree that cheating should be punished and it's a big deal, but I would I would just rather see there be less rules in the first place. Oh gosh, yes, complete <laughs> like, anarchy. Complete, complete. Anarchy. Like, like two, so two, done. two rules. <laughs> you get ball to other side, and you stop them from getting ball to other side. Let's go. Like Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> no, no, no. George Carlin. He goes. You know what they call it a battle? Fine. Leave the wounded out there. Let the Red Cross come and get them and keep playing. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just like. I think one of the uh, the biggest detriments to like football was the like the, the major shift with all like the pass interference and and hold, yes. defensive holding calls yeah. and stuff. It's like you know, it, and now we have these inflated passing stats, which everyone, some people think is cool, but it's like I just, you know what, I want to go back to the day and a where the day and age where like receivers and defenders would just go out and have to battle. You know what I mean? To me, it's like, and, and if I was going to like, I'd make it simple, like just no tackling. Like you can do anything except tackling the guy and just like holding him down on the ground. You know what I mean? Because we, we had that same rule. for That's how it's always been even for offensive linemen, defensive linemen. You can't just tackle them, hold them to the ground and stuff. But other than that, let them hand fight. Let them, you know, jockey each other. And this whole ticky, like I've seen entire games had their, the you know, entire scoring drives decided by like, oh, his hand was on his shoulder pad when the ball was 10 yards overthrown anyway, and it wasn't even catchable and just like dumb, dumb shit like that. And I never even liked it when it helped my team. Um, so like I, I'm a Ravens fan. And back when Joe Flacco was the quarterback, gosh, he was, he was brilliant at exploiting that role. He would, when yep. we were at like, we'd have like, you know, once every couple of weeks, we'd have like a, you know, a third and long and it'd be like, you know what? We're just gonna, you know, do four, four wide, run them straight. I'm just going to throw the ball high and a little bit behind the receiver. And, and like, I mean, accidental people, contact will happen. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, it's one of those things where like, we're, you know, they were doing it on purpose and it was like, the worst that's going to happen is it'll get picked off. And it was like a long punt. The best that'll happen is the receiver will make a great catch or what happened more than 50% of the time was some kind of dumb flag got called. And I think, oh, we went from the 20 to the opposing 30. It's like, is this fun? Is yeah. this is this sports? Yeah. Is this like it's just I, I I hate it. I hate all the dumb illegal formation penalties. I hate all the dumb ticky tacky shit. It's just like, you know, make sure they're playing like, you know, like like re, uh, a minimal set of reasonable rules to ensure safety. And like to like knock out like really unfair advantages, obviously. But other than that, it's like just let them play ball. Like, hey, let them play with like make it okay for each team to have their own football, and they can change the football to whatever um, you know pressure they want. Like, who who cares? <laughs> like, I do not care if everyone's allowed to do something. Then it's right. like then everyone, you know, they come up with strategies. Maybe some players go, hey, we're running this place. We want the ball that has the heavy pressure. And with these plays, with the ball is light pressure. Let them have that. Oh, like, God. I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? But like, um, I don't know. That, that, I guess that's my my little riff on that. It's just that like, well, I don't like cheating. I also don't like an environment where there's just the, the, the entire 
game is so overregulated that it, it's sometimes like, is it cheating or is it just the refs are like, they're able to basically with the overabundance of rules and some ambigu- ambiguity with some of the rules, they're basically able to, to, to decide the outcome of the games for themselves anyway. Absolutely. Tim, Tim Donahue, anybody? Uh, got to decide basically any NBA game he wanted to for a long yep. time. And uh, that's an, an unfortunate part of football history. Got even worse with FIFA for those of you soccer fans. Oh, uh, listen, yeah. listen, Ravens 49ers Super Bowl 46 or something. It was the Harbaugh Bowl. Uh, yep. Last play of the game, pretty that much. The, oh, yeah. the, 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 the Kaepernick Crabtree. fade pass to, uh, to Cabtree and Jimmy Smith. Was it holding? Was it pass interference? wasn't called whatever to me yeah. i would just like to see you know like just let them play and fight you know uh, every play rather than some plays there's a lot of contact and nothing gets called and there's some plays where it's just like <laughs> oh i you know i i i had my hand on his back right. and the ball was thrown 50 yards like especially when it's like oh the not ball at all catchable yeah yeah i do cheat a lot lauren really. yeah yeah, well, look, should I, we touch? Yeah, just, should we, we can touch move on from this. I mean, I well, I agree with Jay, what Jacob's saying. Sorry, what were we saying, Brian? I was going to say, how about we talk about transgender women in women's sports? I don't want to talk about oh, that. God. Yeah, <laughs> your mind. I mean, that is a. I mean, that is worth talking about, but that's probably worth its whole other yeah, episode. I know, I know. I just Brian, was... why don't you give us a piece of your mind though? I'm ready to move on. Ah, uh, okay, we're going to get a little more serious here. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I had a really funny one, but I'll, I'll stick with the unfortunate serious one. Damn it. <sighs> this weekend, Minneapolis police went ahead and did a no-knock raid, uh, which thankfully there was a video uh, of them opening a door to a house, entering, announcing police, police, police uh, to a sleeping 22-year-old who happened to have a firearm with him. Uh, he raised the firearm uh, in just response if a bunch of people screaming different orders at me when I was asleep. Uh, did something like that, and I knew I kind of had a gun, or maybe had my hand on it, or maybe I had my hand on a remote control, or my cell phone, or a variety of other items, but wasn't pointed at the police. And of course, the officer feared for their safety, took three shots, and killed the poor person who died. Now, thankfully, Minneapolis is familiar with this and has stepped up and is now protesting outside. Over a thousand people showed up to protest this. Really horrendous uh, action that took place. Um, the police, of course, are investigating it, and they'll determine if they follow protocol and everything else. Unfortunately, I think in this case, they're going to say, well, we follow protocol, we're going to give ourselves a medal, and good job, go home, everybody. It's such but, a great system when, when the people who are in charge of the rules enforce those rules upon themselves. I know. It's like it's they all so have a great deal. It's like, they, it's like they know that, you know, hey, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But this is the problem once again. Now, in this case, they weren't looking for $15 a pot. They were looking for a murder suspect. But once again, I have to ask the question, why are you doing a no-knock SWAT raid at a house that you have the key to that's in the video showing you unlocking the door, showing you walking in? You know, we have technology that does all sorts of cool things. You can see where people are in rooms and stuff like that. And I'm sure somewhere in the police budget, they probably have one of those fancy devices that they can go in and determine where somebody is in a room, which would probably be a violation of various laws. But if you have a warrant, well, we'll get into that. It's a different story. But once again, 
why are you doing a no-knock raid without knowing exactly where that person is? Because the person they were looking for was not there. They had been told that they thought he was there, but they didn't confirm it. They got the warrant. They went and entered the property with a key, walked in, and shot this poor 22-year-old man who was just sleeping on the couch. So the ridiculousness, again, of the police coming in with a no-knock warrant ends another innocent life. And it's getting old. It's getting really, really old. And I can't think of a circumstance besides I hear him in there and he's holding someone hostage and is going to kill them that you would ever do a no-knock warrant. But Brian, think about all the dangerous situations that police officers put themselves in. Like no-knock warrants? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh! I, I get there are times for them. I get it, but the, right. but that that's not the ninety. It's not ninety five percent of the time. It's that one percent where there's extenuating circumstances of imminent danger, just How- like what we have with pursuit laws. When you're chasing somebody, he's got a toddler and holding a gun to her head. Yes, the cop can run through your house because the guy ran through your house carrying the toddler and the gun to their head. I don't okay. know how to be family friendly with this subject. I just there feel like is, cursing a storm up. It's, it's it it's I I just am. I have Chris friends. automatically marks our stuff as explicit. So if you do want to go yeah. off, I mean, this is no fuck them. Um, right, this is about this is. I mean, if anything is worth worth using expletives on, this is kind of one of those things. I, I'm sorry. Out. It's just like so. I'll draw draw a corollary here. Yeah. Um. When when people were crying after January sixth. With the whole like, oh, politicians were afraid for their lives. And I was just like, well, in my mind, like, good. Um, you know what? Maybe more police officers need to be afraid for their lives or something. I don't know. Like, I mean, it, maybe they should feel for once what it's like for a lot of the people living under uh, the thumb of of the, you know, the, this tyrannical police state that that we that we live under, especially in a lot of these heavily urban areas. It's like and I, I don't I, I'm saying that kind of in a from a place of anger. Um, which which isn't good, but at the same time, it's like I'm just I'm running out of ways to you know as a Christian to keep turning the other cheek to things like this that happen over and over again. And um, you know I I I don't I don't know like maybe there's uh some kind of put you know put I don't like to see pushback in the form of like you know burning down cities and stuff, but you know I understand where that I even understand where that comes from. It's just people getting you know. Uh, fed the fuck up with this shit, um, and it's a it's a and it's a big problem, and it keeps ha- you know shit like this happens uh, all over the, you know all the time. It doesn't always get reported on, um, and you know what are we what are we gonna do? I mean, it's it's why you know pushing things like Brianna's Law and, and other important criminal justice reforms are you know uh, among the top priorities of what I think we as libertarians and those of us especially those of us who are involved in in politics and stuff things that we have to start pushing for but um it's very hard to not feel like a a divide there where almost like when shit like this happens it it just pushes on that us versus them dynamic and and it's tough because like as a christian i want to love people in in government and i want to love people who are in law enforcement because i'm called to i'm called to to love my enemies and to bless those who persecute me but but man it's 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 fucking tough with with stuff like this it's like 
Like, what what is a person supposed to do? Like, if someone just in the middle of the night while they're while they're in their bed, and their door gets kicked down, and it's like, what what are you supposed to do? It's like live your life just like you know i don't have any rights and if someone breaks into my house i'm just gonna put my head under their pillow and you know pray they don't stab me in the back like right it's just it's so unreasonable but then people justify it because oh well the guy has a badge it's like it's, it's lunacy the illusion of authority sam yeah i mean it's crazy to think that someone violating your property rights and breaking into your house are going to respect you know your life and that you should just you know give up your arms and all of that and they'll here somehow be respectful like nothing leading up to it and i don't know anything about this case even though i live in minnesota and i should but i mean they're just breaking into your house what what do you expect to happen to do you expect someone to just lay there and not you know especially if you're just waking someone up did they try calling the guy did they like did they exasperate every other method and uh, the other thing too is maybe they just need more funding. Like um, they could, they couldn't think of any other way. Just kidding about the funding, but I was about to go off. <laughs> I was gonna be like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we just give them more money problem. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, Brian, I'm glad you bring this one up because this is, I mean, it's such a tragic thing. And I think the thing is, is and and to bring up Jacob's point, I do feel love for the police officers. I, I think the issue is, is the system is set up to have a lot of scapegoats be it the officers or there's pressure on these judges to do it, or, you know, as opposed to looking at this system, because then what does the mayor get to do? And in fact, what they did, uh, Oh, I'll just ban search warrants or, or no knock search warrants. And now I'm the good guy. Look at me. I'm amazing. It was your law that made it happen. It was your stick. It was your system. You know, like you have been enabling this thing. And now what happens is you throw, and, and believe me, I understand the, the cops being bad crowd. I, I, I honestly do. And, and I I could get into that in another subject, but I am inclined to agree, right? That what they're doing is, is negative and, and I wish that they would realize that better. But my point is that these cops are there to be the scapegoats for the people above them. Because when something goes wrong, they can say, those cops, can you believe that? Not only forever. I mean, you even look at like the Derek Chauvin stuff. They threw him under the bus and don't the conviction was correct. We've talked about this on the show. He absolutely acted with disregard for life. Yes. All that jazz. Right. I'm not saying any of that. But over and over, people pointed out, hey, just so you know, that hold that he has, it's in the book. Like this is legal. This is what you're this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to subdue somebody. You know, this is and, and like over and over just showing that he could be justified with the system that was created. So what happens is we place all our hate on Derek Chauvin and not the hate on this system. We basically hated the sinner and allowed the sin to go unchecked. Right. As opposed to just being like, hey, listen, I don't care where you stand on the cops thing or where you stand in this, but let's agree that these people need to not be in this situation. Amir Locke should not have been murdered. His murderers should not have tried to get in there. And the people who enabled it to happen should be held accountable. You know, it's a, I don't know, it's a sad thing. And um, I don't know. We're, I, 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 just, I, I get my blood boils when I hear the whole, they feared for their lives thing. It's just like, oh, I'm sure nobody has ever feared for their lives when they've been around a situation with a cop before. Yeah, like it's, it's not, just not like it's their job. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean it's ugh, yeah, it's frustrating. And you know what? One of these days, maybe we'll do a 
our all cops bastards episode. I, uh, I, I, I don't want, I want to go over here. I don't think all cops are bastards. I, sure. I, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, sure. I, but I know you're not one, saying that. Yeah. But, but the one thing I do want to say about this is that I think a simple fix to this is honestly for no knock rates for these type of significant, you know, just remove qualified immunity. Go ahead and have the state pass a law that does that because got news for you. I'm hoping you have all your eyes dotted and T's crossed. I got news that the city's going to get pretty tired pretty quick of chunking out large settlements when you guys go busting in a door and shoot a kid sitting in. And I'm going to call him a kid because I'm old. Okay. 22 is a kid to me. Um, but when you shoot a kid sitting on the couch, laying on the couch, maybe when they start losing funds significantly, somebody's finally going to go, oh, well, you know what? This is a really terrible idea. Yeah. What the the other thing too is the funds come from us, so it's, it's yeah, weird, I know it's a weird yeah, thing there. That's, so that's when we start voting them out, yeah. as opposed <laughs> to these lifetime appointments, which then gets to term limits, which has like 87 percent approval. If voting work yeah. to be illegal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam, let's have a piece of your mind on this one, buddy. The Michael Malice quote. That's yeah. the, I love that. <laughs> uh, I just want to talk about, I know we talked about this last time, but there's been new developments, and I'd like to talk a little bit about Joe Rogan and what mm. is all going on there. Um, if you guys don't know, he issued a lar- long, what was it, like four or six minutes? Four minutes. Ap- some four, minute, four minute video of him apologizing for using the N-word wrong and inappropriately um i found that to be just very bizarre given all that's been going on uh, with people leaving spotify upset with joe rogan over his misinformation and um you know like neil young apparently has his music has ties to pfizer and all of that so it it just seemed odd like if joe rogan were to talk about that in a conversation i went bad and i I don't think there's anything wrong with him apologizing for using the word. I think in context, you should be able to use the word. There is a, um, a video of the Young Turks, a, a montage of them using the word in context yeah. over and over again. This is very common in media for people to just say the word. If you're quoting someone else, you can say the word. You're not saying the word. You're quoting someone saying the word. Um, so... The fact that Joe Rogan apologized for even that was very weird. Um, so I, I, any thoughts on that, I guess, from anyone else? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll present my point of view just because I know Jacob and I disagree pretty, pretty drastically on this one. I, I liked the apology because I think for me, what you do, and, and I find Joe Rogan to be a very genuine person. And I feel that the apology was very genuine. And so what I liked about that is because it's this isn't a cave to like, oh, social pressures got to me or something. This is like, hey, I'm not a racist. But anytime I loved this part, but he said, anytime you have to explain that you're not a racist, something went wrong. You effed up, you know, and I and I absolutely I love that because I've done times before where people have said like, boy, this doesn't sound very good of you, Hody. And it's like, of course, my intentions might not have been there. But you can always apologize for being like, hey, you know what? I understand that I am a professional messenger and the way I message matters. The way I perform my task matters. The way I, you know, the way people understand me matters to me. And so when I am not a racist, if it's something that I just have to constantly say, hey, I'm not a racist, I'm not a racist, I'm not a racist. 
you're probably doing something poor in your messaging that makes it so that you keep having to say it because I don't get the accusation very often, nor do others who kind of have a who have great messaging about this. You know, the people who get badgered about it are usually the people who are, it's like, Hey, what is this? You know what I mean? What is this going on? And, and I now, and Sam, I, I do agree a bit that, that I think if you quote it, it is very different than just saying it. Because actually, by the way, folks, there's Joe Biden using it twice. Uh, there's a video of that. Oh, um, the video of Biden is hilarious. Right. And and I need to find that. Yeah. I mean, it's him using it twice. As you mentioned, there's Young Turks. Like, this doesn't go the way you think it does if you're trying to get, if you are a left winger trying to get Joe Ro- Rogan canceled because he's like a right winger in your mind, which again, I, I debunked that last episode. He's not a right winger. But anyway, like, if you are trying to get Joe Rogan canceled, because you think it's going to work out for you. It is not because if you were to apply that same philosophy, you are going to be missing a lot of people. Also in this week, we had Whoopi Goldberg. I liked her apology as well. Uh, I do think it's times that you just say like, Hey, you goofed up. I goofed up. You know, I said something and I met, and the way I said it was wrong. I apologize. And I think we can move forward. And I, I think for me, I just wish there was more insight for people like this to, to say, because now what's happened is if you don't accept Joe Rogan's apology, now I kind of know you're a lunatic, right? Because, I mean, he gave as a genuine apology as you're ever going to hear. If if you cannot accept the apology that Joe Rogan gave, you can't accept apologies. And I do love to see that there are, I mean, even today, looking over the news, that there are actors, actresses, celebrities being like, you know what? You're right. Like, I, I am really glad that he apologized. I'm glad he said this. This was concerning to me. And I accept his apology. I accept his responsibility. And I, I just like, you know, for me, I like that. I think that it's good to see that there are some people who are like, yeah, you know, this kind of, this turns down the temperature, right? Now it's not like a sides thing. It's just a, okay, you're here. You're being your genuine self. And you're not like in your camp and nothing you can say is ever going to change my mind. And I'm going to use the N word like a proud American because I get to quote it whenever I want. Like, you know. He, he's he's speaking from his heart and i don't know i liked it um jacob go ahead and wreck my whole wreck my whole <laughs> shtick gosh i was sitting there cringing the whole time no yeah <laughs> um so i think the issue i have with what you said which is what you said like in the messenger chat when we talked about this over the past weekend is the whole claim of oh well if you have to explain yourself to people a lot that you're not racist you're doing something wrong it's like well that might be true in an ideal world but when you have a you know large number of people who are going around making everything about race and who go around saying that well, if you don't you know uh, espouse my certain ideology about you know i, I you know this identitarian poli- uh, politics that we're playing then you you're part of the problem and you and you're racist or you're a proponent of of white supremacy even if you don't explicitly say it uh, you know i don't think it's quite as simple as oh well it's it's easy and if you ever have to defend yourself you're you you must have made a mistake that's not to say that you know i'm not saying that you know there aren't ever gray areas where someone actually does make a mistake and has to has to own up for it but i i think this was a really silly thing to have to apologize for because it was like, I mean, for one, I can't even compare it to the Whoopi Goldberg thing because the Whoopi Goldberg thing was just like, she was a hundred percent factually wrong. <laughs> like anyone that like, I mean, it was ex- the Holocaust and what Hitler did was very, very explicitly 
about race. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that Hitler's in heaven. I can't remember who, but uh, <laughs> so <yep>. um, <laughs> whereas what Joe Rogan did was saying something in context and somehow it's just like it's such a petty thing to go after somebody for. And to me, it's like I don't think there's that many people who were upset about it. Like, like in the group of people that were upset about it, I don't think there's that many people who are going to accept the apology. Like, there's a lot of people that just didn't care, heard the apology, and still <clears throat> don't care. And there's a lot of people who were upset about it and heard the apology, but now they're like, well, if you're really sorry, then you won't have Ben Shapiro back on, and you won't have Dave Smith back on, you won't have Dave Rubin back on, and you won't have this person back on, and you'll take back this thing, and you'll take down these episodes and stuff. You know yeah, what I mean? Now they're exposed as lunatics. But they were... but. They were already they don't control as lunatics. Okay. Well, now there's <laughs> and Rogan exposed. and Rogan's I mean, just capitulating to like I don't think there was anybody in that reasonable middle or reasonable left who was actually upset. The people who were making a big deal about it in my mind were already outing themselves as lunatics. Uh I as I guess what 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 my point is. Um I think that our uh, you know I, I I'll leave it there I think. Um, because otherwise I'll go on a long tangent about how much I hate identity politics. I'm, so. Yeah, I mean, it was literally just a hit job by his haters. Like, people hate Joe Rogan. This has nothing to do with, you know, like he was exposed by, like, I don't, I don't care that he used the N-word like that years ago. He's a freaking comedian. And then the fact that he's using it, like, in context, quoting other people now, like, I don't care. Like, if he wants to apologize for that, fine. But it there's literally a group of just haters and people who do not want him and in power basically don't like his mis misinformation that put basically put a hit out on him. Brian, I'll let you finish off this one before <laughs> we uh, continue. I, I thought Rogan's apology was authentic and genuine. Um, I think that just as we all learn and grow from things that we said when we were either younger or stupider or both, or well, maybe still are. Um, I, I kind of think that. You said it, not me. <laughs> oh, I don't have to view. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I like what Joe did now, if he does it again, but I think he set it up to where if someone just is what you're saying, Jacob, they come back to him about having, you know, Randall on or, or having, you know, oh my God, you're presenting alternate history or something like that. They're set to look like an idiot. So I think that there's a lot of, you know, great things that come out of the Joe Rogan podcast that are worth watching, but there are a lot of also terrible things that come out of the Joe Rogan podcast. And sometimes I listen and sometimes I don't. That's the great thing about it. You don't have to listen. Um, same thing goes for any of the podcasts off of MSNBC, CNN, stuff like that. There may be some great things. There may be some terrible things. I think that the, the market in this case is going to react and not in the way that a lot of people want him to. Uh, Neil Young going off Spotify. Um, yeah, there's some questionable things on there. Uh, if you ever notice that all of Neil's uh, activism seems to only profit Neil in the end and not any of the groups that he's kind of wanting to help. But, um, you know, as I said, Joe, I thought was authentic and we'll see what happens here in the next week. Uh, if people start wanting to demand more, I think what's going to end up happening is vast majority of people are going to see them as lunatics. So, yeah, Jacob, let's have a piece of your mind before we wrap up here. 
All right. Well, I'll I'll talk about something very uncontroversial, which is uh, why we should uh, stop spanking children. Come oh. <laughs> um, out of it. Come on. So, yeah. So this is a topic that I'm very passionate about, and I figured it might make a good peace of mind next time I came on here. But uh, peaceful parenting. I want to give my pitch for peaceful parenting and why we should stop spanking kids. Now, um, the the there's no like. Uh, I'm not, I'll drop that. So basically, the 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 reason why people I think spank children is because they they think that young children can't be reasoned with. They think that well, if they're doing something bad, I have to stop them. I have to provide some kind of negative stimuli to to you know discourage them from doing this. Um, I, and I think that there's a lot of parents out there who spank and they're not doing it with malicious intent. And so I want to put that out there at the start and not make it seem like I'm trying to demonize parents who have spanked their children. Um, I think there's a lot of cases where the spanking was very like, you know, some people say, oh, I only spanked my kid a few times and it was only when they were really young and I haven't since. And I'm not making an argument that they irreparably damaged their child. I'm just making the argument in those cases that there were other options on the table that would have worked even at the very least just as effectively or possibly more effectively than choosing to spank. But I also think there's a large uh, a large percentage of cases where the spanking is more persistent and pervasive, it lasts for longer, and I think it is detrimental to kids. In fact, there are actually studies out there showing um, that, you know, like the more kids are spanked, there's at least a correlation between that and like outcomes in life, uh, as far as their their income, uh, secondary education, lower IQ scores, et cetera. And again, correlation isn't causation, but it at least you know there, there's a there's a link there that you know warrants further uh, um, uh, exploration. And there's you know some studies showing that when you you spank kids, uh, what you're doing is not promoting them to develop higher reasoning. What you're doing is is actually just teaching them to be more uh, you know, submissive, you're turning off the more creative parts of their brain. Because a lot of times when kids get spanked, they're getting spanked for acting out, which is really just, in my opinion, kids being kids. Um, and, and, you know, they, they become better drones, but not better human beings uh, when that happens. So I, I think that, you know, what, what I want to focus on for the last little bit here is not going on railing about all the, 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 the bad uh, effects of spanking, but rather to explain that there's a lot of great alternatives that I think are really easy to implement and that, uh, you know, even if you're kind of on the fence about this thing, I I, I just want to give people these ideas that maybe they can implement, you know, think about and implement if they so choose. Um, you know, what I found in my experience, and I, and I have, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking from a place of no experience here. I have three kids and a fourth on the way. So um, Congrats. Uh, with really young kids, uh, I have found that in if they're if they're acting up, um, for one, prevention is always better than cure. A lot of times when kids are like you have young kids and then, you know, one, two or three and they're throwing a tantrum, uh, especially if you're out in public. A lot of times it's like, OK, well, what was leading up to that? Did you make sure that you communicated to them beforehand about 
we're going out on a trip? Did you negotiate with them to be like, you know, because again, remember kids have no control. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Kids have like no control over what's going on with them. You know what I mean? They're just whipped yeah. around, you know, by the whims of their parents. It's just like, oh, we're going out today. Why? Oh, we, we, we just are. We're going to breakfast, going here. And it's like in, and you're getting in this car seat. And kids aren't always good at communicating the things that cause them discomfort. You know, like think about like when you get in your car and you sit down, and sometimes you get to shift around and adjust things. Well, kids aren't always able to do that in their car seats. And sometimes kids are uncomfortable in their car seats or like their, their clothing is twisted and it's pit or there's something pinching them or there's a knot in their hair and they haven't told you about it yet. Like, there's so many little things, but they, you know, just as adults sometimes have a lot of little things to pile up and then we, you know, have a bad day and we blow up on people. Kids go through the same things, but they're even, you know, even uh, worse at communicating their problems than we are. And then a lot of times these tantrums that you see out in public are just the 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 culmination of all these little things that if we took more time as parents to be checking with our kids about their comfort level, taking more time to warn them and prepare them for when we, we you're going to do things like I don't just I tried to, to unless it's an emergency, not force my kids to, to go to places or at least not to frame it that way. I talked like, you know, the day ahead of time, like, hey, we're going to go to the grocery store tomorrow night. And, you know, it's like. And it's either yay or oh, I don't want to. And it's like, all right, well, let's have a conversation about it. Explain why we need to go um, and, and help them be part of it. Hey, you want to sit down and help me work on the grocery list? What are some things that you want to buy at the grocery store? Find ways to involve your kids in what you're doing that make it less like you're just ordering them around and barking at them and, and dragging them along, but more like they feel like part of the family and are going to want to join in. Um, uh, aside from uh, prevention, the other things that you can do when kids are misbehaving instead of spanking, remove them from the situation. Um, there's nothing wrong with other forms of light punishments. I don't have a, a major problem with timeout, but I find that a better thing is time in is what we call it. So like, you know, um, a lot of times my, my daughter struggles with when she's in crowds and we're at a restaurant and she won't sit still, she'll get up and run around or she'll start screaming and instead of like making a big scene about it or like taking her, you know, like what my parents did to me, they take me to the bathroom and they'd swap me and tell me to stop and behave. And, you know, then we go back and sit down and I'd be, you know, sniffling and sad. What I do is I take my daughter outside and I just sit her on the bench with me and said, we're just going to sit here until you calm down and talk to me about what's wrong. Does this take more time than spanking? Yes. But does this lead to a better bond between me and my daughter? Does this lead to me understanding what she was upset about? And then I can kind of talk to her about like, okay, well, if this happens again, here's what you can you can do to tell us what's wrong so we can try to help you. Um, 99% of the time, kids aren't trying to do bad things. They are just not able to communicate what their needs and wants are. And so, you know, I would encourage anyone who, you know, again, I could, I could talk about this for, for an hour, but I really think that, as libertarians, we want to encourage our kids to not just be like blind followers of authority, right? Like to me, true authority is that which is earned and that which comes naturally. And I find that my kids listen to me as they, as they get older without me having to fight them as much because the authority that I have over them isn't just something that's been pushed on them with a hammer, but rather like it's been earned through that gradual buildup of trust and getting to know them and investing time in them. And I think that the more we normalize in our children growing up, that the you know the way to influence people and to get along with people is to negotiate with them and to build relationships with them 
rather than this kind of top down, you do as I say kind of thing, the more we can foster that that culture of liberty um, and, 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 you know, make it easier to spot out the, the damaging, very toxic patterns we see in, in our, you know, governing and authority structures um, in our, you know, modern society. So um, that's it. Awesome. We got about uh, nine minutes left, but I do think there's a lot here to talk about. Um, I mean, it's it peaceful parenting is worth an episode on, in and of itself. I mean, it's a it's something that it's easy to say, but it, it's like saying homeschool your kids. It's like, well, what could that look like? What does unschooling look like? What does what you know? What does co-teaching look like? You know, there's just so many different. You open up the door, and there's a lot there. When we talk about peaceful parenting, I'll be honest, it's not something that I always believed in. Um, even after becoming a libertarian, it was something that I kind of grappled with for a bit. Um, I have seen a, uh, my, <clears throat> I don't even want to call them out, but I have a, uh, a close individual that I'm familiar with that had kids that did one peaceful parenting style and screwed it up. And this kid was very ill-behaved and then they decided to drop it. And with their next kid, and that kid was better behaved. Now, I know people can say, well, that's all the proof you need. Now punish your kids. That's like, you know, there's your green card to do whatever. The thing is, is there really wasn't a tactic there. Like, and, J- and what Jacob was talking about is there's a lot of other things that you can do. It's not a matter of just, well, guess we can't punish our kids so they get to do whatever they want. You know, there's so many other things to do. I do find that there's a lot of, and, and it's interesting because this is really growing in libertarian communities, this peaceful parenting, um, more than I actually thought it would at this moment. Because I think what we have is a lot of libertarians that are realizing that the way we were raised contributes a lot to our mentality. We emulate what our parents did. And if our parents make exceptions for violence, if our parents make exceptions for control, why wouldn't we do that for government as well? Why wouldn't we say there's exceptions for violence? There's exceptions for control. And I find that there's a lot of that that, that translates uh, as they become adults. And also, as Jacob said, you can make yourself kind of crazy with the subject. And I, I, I've tried to stop using the term crazy, although in this term, I actually mean it literally. You look at what happened to Thoreau, Thoreau and why he wasn't able to have kids because he couldn't figure out how to peaceful. Like, he, I don't know how to p- fully be peaceful with them. I think at some point you got to cut yourself a little slack and just say like, listen, oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like let's be reasonable here. But like you know, I, I do agree with what you say. I think I think it's worth exploring. Um, I mean, Jane, uh, so my gal and and I came into their lives when they were four and five years old, and I didn't necessarily believe it. And Jamie's technique was always very peaceful, right? And their parents, their parents way of life or the other parents way of life was very like controlling. I'm the man, I'm going to control this situation. Right. And guess who they come to now that they're teenagers when something serious is going on, you know, when they have a real problem. And that's the, that's the big problem that I see is that a lot of like that authoritarian style of parenting, which goes beyond just spanking. Like there's a whole lot that goes to that. But then it's like when you haven't built up that trust and love between a parent and child in those young years when they have no choice but to come to you, what do you think is going to happen when they're teenagers? Like they, they have no reason to come to you and it's not as easy for you to take them and put them over your knee and, you know, spank them anymore. Not that they're, you know, many adults. And and so they, you know, a, a lot of that's I think what leads to a lot of like, you know, wild, reckless behavior in, in adolescence is yeah. You know, whereas, you know, the kind of relationship I want with my kids is that like, you know, when they're 14, 15, they're not afraid to come and talk to me about things. They're not afraid that I'm just going to yell at them, that I'm going right. to sh- shut them down and stuff, but rather that they know through through years of that, that, you know, building that bond 
that like there it's a safe place that they can come and talk to me doesn't mean that you're always gonna like you know oh you beat up a kid at school congratulations i'm so proud of you you know what i mean like <laughs> did he take your apple because if he did it's justified but um <laughs> well, well hang on hang on here if he was defending a friend of his who was getting a beaten up by another kid or abused by another kid oh, then i'd I'm take him to the store cool. and buy him buy buy him a new playstation 5 that's what i did with my son when when he was defending his friend he his friend was getting mercilessly bullied in front of him and he went and defended him but i'm going to jump in here i think there is a time to do one swat when a child is hurting another child and does not stop okay so i think we've all had that where you know they're they're fighting or one of them being beaten up the other one and you pull them off and you're like, you need to stop. What's the problem? And they go to attack again or do something like that. That's a reset button. And that's the only way you should be looking is this is my emergency. You're at the gas station, hit the button, stop all the gas pumps. That's the only time that I've seen it work. Well, you're right. That spanking beating, you know, all that stuff. I've raised a bunch of kids off foster care. It never, ever, ever works and makes things a thousand times worse. Yeah. But that being said, you also can't let them have complete control because I've seen kids who have been, okay, well, we're going to go to the store. Oh, you don't want to go? Okay, well, then we won't go. It's like, yeah, no, 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 you, you need to say, right. okay, we're going to go. Let's make this a more pleasant experience for you. Exactly. And if you're going to have a tantrum, well, let me know. We'll, we'll wait right oh, yeah. here. Peace, peaceful uh, parenting is not is not passive parenting. It's yeah. actually peaceful parenting it's, is a lot of work because you have to like spanking is an easy thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. When they get to seventeen, it's a little tough. Oh yeah, that's but, well, that was my point <laughs> yeah. earlier. But it's like, but but coming up with consequences and and what I like is natural consequences. Like yeah. you know, um, kid doesn't want to eat dinner. Fine, you don't like dinner. Okay, it's fine. Go go to bed hungry a couple nights in a row. And see how I, that I try works to out do for that. My, my wife isn't as big of a fan. But, it's um, a tough one. It really <laughs> it is. is. <laughs> but but this I, then gets to being smarter about it. But go ahead, sorry, Jay. sorry. Sam. I, I I will say sometimes. Um, you know, like I I used to spank my kids when they were, you know, when I was first starting out, and I I didn't. From just a purely utilitarian perspective, like forget that everything else like it just doesn't really work um i've also noticed picked up on that you know like i try to minimize negative behavior and sort of exploit positive behavior so like if they're doing something good i get excited and if they're doing something bad i try to would try to just like ignore them and i kind of learned that that's not a good thing either like you gotta if they're acting out it's for a reason. And a you, lot of times the bad behavior is them looking for attention exactly. <laughs> is what I is what found. And to what Brian was saying about like, you know, oh, a SWAT if they're beating on a kid or doing something violent and you're trying to like get their attention and stuff. And it's like, I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from there. Um, yeah. I think it's a little bit different than spanking. Um, and obviously there's times where we have to use, you know, minimal force to remove our kids from situations where they're in danger or they're endangering uh, someone else, um, Hody, you're muted. I don't know if you're trying to talk to us or something, but, um, but anyway, so we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's anarchy. We've kicked Hody off the show again, but, um, no, but the, uh, 
I, I think with the, the, the violent uh, outbreaks that kids sometimes have, a lot of that, again, I think comes down to prevention being better than cure. Whereas, like, I'm not saying kids are perfect little angels because, like, they're not. Like, you know, anyone who's had kids knows that, like, kids are just not always well-behaved. And I'm not saying they never get violent and stuff. <laughs> but there's, uh, there's a certain point when, like, kids are a little bit older that if they're exhibiting that kind of antisocial behavior – it's usually a result of like there's some kind of disconnect, something that went wrong uh, along the way. And just a simple like, oh, well, you hurt them. Now I'm going to hurt you isn't going to correct the deeper problem that needs to be addressed. And I'm not saying it's the same problem and, and universal across the board. Um, but but I often think that it's like we have to look uh, deeper beneath the, the surface when we see um especially pervasive antisocial behavior yeah, now it's different if it's like you know i got a two-year-old and our two-year-old's experimenting with hey i can do stuff with my hands right now and you know what i mean and so he's not being malicious but he's like oh it's funny if i hit daddy and mommy in the face and stuff and you know we don't just sit there and go oh it's so funny <laughs> you know what i mean and we don't spank him what we do is we just what we do is if he hits us we go ow that hurts you know what I mean? And we and and uh, and and we actually like we act sad and that actually elicits a sympathy response right. from from the kid because then they actually feel bad for what they did and realize, oh, this caused pain. And that doesn't like and again, a lot of times it's I, repetition. Like you, the kids don't learn these lessons in in one instance. It's like you got to keep doing it over and over again. And believe me, it's a lot of work. Like at the end of the day, if you're doing parenting right you are exacerbated. You're just like, and it's not always perfect. You know what I mean? You gotta, you, sometimes there are days where you, you, you muddy through it a little bit and you're like, I don't know if I handled all that exactly well, but I think it's less about like obtaining perfection and more about just like where your heart is at and like what, you know, you, you establish the goal and you keep trying to work at that. And if you're struggling with certain behaviors and stuff, reach out, talk to other parents, you know, there's great, parenting groups and stuff on social media you can connect with other families and talk about your problems and i just think you know fostering a more healthy you know conversation about how we interact with our kids and raise them up is just like it's one thing that you know it doesn't take joining a political party it doesn't take major policy overhaul it doesn't take major protests it's like how can we just raise the next generation better and that's directly in our control Sam, you looked like you had something to say. We're already over two hours, so I'm going to let you yeah. say it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do. I would. I will say that I don't like um, when libertarians try to apply first principles. And obviously, you always apply first principles, but they try to make these arguments against spanking that I don't think really apply. And they make it in like, well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't hurt other people as a libertarian and all this stuff. But it's like if you're doing it in the corrective and trying to up bring the child like you have control over your child and like even just timeouts those are punishments as well and so i i don't always like those arguments i like the more utilitarian argument where it's just like it doesn't work as well um that was just my two cents i i appreciate that sam no the thing is is this and and i will say because i have the experience of being a libertarian and not believing in what we're talking about right now that i do think that this is something that merits some consideration and probably something we should do a full episode on lou said she'd be interested so lou this is just more incentive for you to get healthy uh, frankly i'm just going to hold this episode hostage until you get better so is what i'm going to do here um <laughs> we'll have you on 
um, and, and kind of talk about this as well as the all cops are bastards thing, I think would be a good episode to talk about. Uh, so a couple good ideas from this one here. Brian, Jacob, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Two hours is a ton to commit, but I appreciate you all doing it. Um, That's why you. I showed up 30 minutes late. Right. At least on my behalf, I really do appreciate it. Listeners out there, I mean, I, I am always shocked at how often people appreciate the long-form conversation. Um, we are still growing somehow, and I, I, I can't believe I haven't bored you to death. But I'm so glad that I haven't. Um, I'm glad you keep showing up. For, to hear our perspectives and it means a lot to me like i said um i know we're not always the most consistent show but uh i really enjoy doing it i'm suit and i'm just really grateful if you're listening to have you there as a listener just keep on honestly keep on clicking if you feel like sharing it with a friend share it with a friend but the numbers are going in the right direction so really just keep doing what you're doing everybody in the comments who participated and actually if you're listening to this afterwards please follow us on youtube facebook twitch twitter um, wherever, because we we do this live, and a lot of what you hear us laughing about are comments that are posted on the screen. If you want to be a part, if you want to participate in some of that, we show them on screen. We'll discuss your ideas. If you have questions, we invite you to participate. Uh, thank you all so much again. I appreciate it. Have an excellent evening. Kisses, and we will talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>